Welcome to the Get Better Podcast, where I've convinced a seasoned amateur sports better to teach me, and thus you, how to bet on sports. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, tell them about this podcast. Hey everybody, it's Aaron. So last time we talked on the Get Better Podcast, we kind of Matt kind of gave us some tips on if you're looking to open an offshore betting account and places to go and a website to review all of those. So in episode two, we're just going to kind of talk about me opening my first account. Nice. Congratulations, Aaron. Uh, Where did you set this account up? Well, Matt, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, kind of looking at doing Google research and the first site that popped up is was Bovada. And I remember you saying that's kind of like the Walmart, which was super accurate because I left frustrated and not getting what I wanted. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> before I could even deposit money, my account was locked for some inconspicuous reason. And I emailed support, um, got a response two hours later to wait an hour. So I did that and then was referred to their chat where basically someone just said, I'm escalating a ticket, just hang tight, please, and I'll resolve it for you. And then just kept checking in saying, no one's picked up your ticket yet, but hang on. Hang on. That sounds like it was probably a robot. (laughs) But uh... Hadn't even given them any money yet. I can't even imagine potentially what kind of nightmare it would be to take money out of there. Has that ever um, had any experiences on there getting money out? Yeah, you know, Bovada is one of the like oldest sports books for offshores and over time their security requirements have become somewhat ridiculous. So I actually have two horror stories about withdrawing money from Bovada. And uh the first one is neither of these are me, thank God. But <laughs> the first one is a buddy of mine that he was trying to take out. He had accrued maybe like 5 grand in Bovada. And then when it came came time to withdraw it, the hoops he had to go through included taking a picture of his face holding the credit card he used to deposit, (laughs) then a picture of his face holding his driver's license, and then one of both cards with his face. And then even so, they, they limited the withdrawal then. That sounds like a supernatural picture. I have to ask someone to take of you. It's just like exactly. Hey "Hey friend, I'm going to take a, I need you to hold a, take a picture of me holding my driver's license and a credit card and you can't ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. This is completely normal behavior. But the other thing Bovada does, which is not us yet, but Bovada limits people that win. And uh, if you were kind of showing you had success in one sport, be it, let's say like Mexican soccer, you're just lights out on Mexican soccer. Bovada is going to realize that quickly because they've been around for so long. Their software is good at flagging who's a good better, and they would start limiting you. So it is like the Walmart in the way that it's the first Google search you do. It's going to pop up, but uh, you're exactly right. It it leaves you a little disappointed. So so after the Bovada fiasco, uh, you dusted yourself off, and what came next? Uh, my bookie and, and the, t- I actually said this in my Bovada chat was like, Hey, while I've been on hold with you guys trying to deposit money, I opened an account on my bookie and deposited money. So you can go ahead and close out my ticket. Nice. Beautiful. Well, that's good. My bookie is a book that is uh, relatively new in the offshore market. I'd say mm-hmm. it's been around maybe less than 10 years for sure, but maybe five or six years. 
Uh, I have an account there. It has always been easy to deposit, of course. Most of them should do that. And what's good for us, easy to withdraw to. So however you are going to pull all these winnings out in the future, it's only going to take a couple of days with my bookie. So so this is good. Uh, good you have an account going. And yeah. uh, now that you're in there, starting to look around, everything making sense or – yeah, I mean, the, I mean, obviously, because I'm me, the first thing I was like, oh, you can bet on religion and Conor McGregor, which are kind of the same thing at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, that, you know, I watch UFC. I watch you know professional football, or as most people call it, the NFL. <laughs> uh, so I was just kind of looking around, and you know, some of it was making sense. But you know, I and I get plus one sixty, minus one ninety five. It I mean, how do you know when someone is a big favorite or a big underdog like what are those numbers looking like or how do you discern that i guess is probably a good place to start yeah no that's a great question and first off the minus 195 and plus 160 these are what you would call american odds and what it means is minus 195 if i wanted to win a hundred dollars i would have to bet 195 dollars to win that hundred so okay. that guy is a favorite. You could almost say he's, you know, a fairly large favorite, depending on how much juice you're willing to lay. And then the other guy who is plus 160, what that means is if you bet 100, you would win 160 on him. So let's say, how does a sports book make money? If you place equal wagers, you want to risk 100 on the underdog, bet to win 100 on the favorite, you're going to end up losing $35. So the sports book is really making a decent amount of money just on how the odds are set. I feel like, yeah, I don't know if it's just my brain or what, but I, as you were talking, I was kind of scrolling through trying to like in my head picture what I would bet if they won, what I would win. And I'm looking right now at Bruno Silva, who yeah. is plus 355 against Tagir Ulan Bekoff, who is uh, minus who's minus 480, which feels to me like a monstrous disparity. Exactly. So minus 480, huge under or yeah, huge favorite at that big of minus odds. And Bruno at plus 355, if you bet 10 bucks, you would win 3550. So okay. pretty big underdog. And if you were using like a shorthand language, you would say yeah. Bruno is three to one, almost four to one. Um, mm -hmm. three and a half to one to be specific. But, but when you hear people talk about underdogs and use the three to one, four to one, that would be plus 300 plus 400 when you're looking okay. at the book. So if I were to bet a hundred dollars on Takir and he wins, I would get $148 back and 48 of that would be profit. Is that accurate? So what were Takir's minus odds again? He was minus, minus 480. So if he was minus 480, you would probably make somewhere around 22 bucks there because okay. you would have to risk 480 or let's say to win 10, you'd have to risk $48 to win Got it. $10. Okay. So, so the American odds, this is what is very common. When you first log into a sports book, when you show up at a casino in America, you're going to see things in American odds. But one of my, my big beliefs and, People don't have to listen to me. It's the same odds either way. But I personally prefer decimal odds. And okay. no matter what sports book you're in, like my bookie is a good one, you can navigate to settings. It's going to give you the option of how do you want to see the odds? 
you want to see it in American, plus 120, minus 120, or in decimal. So since we already had a fight, why don't you, Aaron, switch to decimal, and then we'll look at the same fight and see if it maybe becomes more clearer or makes sense for people of how these odds would work. Okay, so back to our friends Bruno and Tugir. Yeah, of course. So Bruno is 4.55, and Tugir is 1.21. That just seems immediately to me way easier to read. Yeah, so what it means really is if Tagir is 1.21, if you mm-hmm. bet $1, you would win $1.21, 21 cents of which is profit because you risked $1. Yeah. So these decimal odds are really just saying you flat bet an amount, here's what you get back, and how do I, how do I calculate it? Well, you just take what you bet, multiply it times whatever the odds were, and if we look at Bruno, who was plus 355, his odds are mm-hmm. now 4.55, I imagine. Yeah. Yep. So if you bet $1 on Bruno, it's going to win you 455, one of which was the dollar you bet. So your profit is 355. Why isn't everyone? It's so much easier. That's so much easier. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And the biggest reason is that U.S. casinos, they figured this out. Very, very crafty. Watch out for the casinos. They're smart. Um, <laughs> with the minus odds, it encourages you to think about what do I have to bet to win a unit? Whatever your unit is, if it's $10, $100, $1,000, the American odds make you think it makes the math hard. When you think, well, if I risk a thousand, what would I win with those odds? Mm-hmm. It's hard to do in your head. But yeah, so the American odds is it's really encouraging you to risk more, which is, you know, anyone who's been to a casino knows their whole intention is keep you here as long as possible. Like the yeah. more you play, the more we win. So the American odds are just encouraging that. But everywhere else in the world, you're going to see decimal odds because it does make more sense. Okay, that makes sense. So no offense to the example we are using. I'm sure they're both great, talented fighters who are grinded and probably on their way towards the fighters level we are going to talk about. But like I know, obviously, Marlon Moraes and, and Corey Sandhagen. Um, so if I wanted to maybe bet that um, Corey Sandhagen is 1.71. So if I bet a dollar, I would get $1.71 back, 71 cents being my profit. Exactly right. Okay. And then Marlon Moraes is 2.1. So if I were to bet $2, I would get $2.10 back, 10 cents being profit. If nope. you bet, nope. No, a dollar, get 2.10 back. Nailed it. Yep, exactly. See, you're getting there. And this is your first time looking at it. And this is an example that the decimal odds is just quicker to learn and something we're going to harp on a lot on this podcast, doing this responsibly. And the decimal odds, it gets you in the mindset of, I always bet the same amounts per bet. And you start thinking about it of, well, is it worth risking my usual 10 if I only win two bucks? Maybe not, but you're never in the situation of, risking $40 to win 10. And that's where people, they end up getting in, not too deep sounds like a cliche, but it's a slippery slope if, if you are laying heavy juice all the time. So, so decimals is definitely the way to go when we're thinking of responsibly. 
And then sometime soon, we're going to have to talk about, well, how much is responsibly? Sure. That makes sense. I feel like um, that would probably be a good thing to talk about next episode. Cause the first thing I did when I logged in to my bookie with my $200 deposit is what NFL game could I risk all 200 on and make the most money if it came through? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, professional football in America is a tough sport to bet on. So next time on the get better podcast, we are going to talk a lot more about bankroll management. We heard Aaron put $200 in his account. It's a great number to start with. Someone who's just learning betting, we can still have some fun with that. So next time, bankroll management, we're going to place Aaron's first bet on something coming up. Oh, and baby. hopefully you can, oh yeah, hopefully you can keep tuning in and learn some more ways to turn that pizza money into steak money.